Hello, what's up? This is uh, Recovered AF Podcast. My name's Aaron. I am 50% of this podcast, and with me is my co-host Kyle to give us a disclaimer. Yeah, hey, how's it going? Uh, we are not affiliated with any 12-step organization at all. Uh, those organizations don't have spokespeople or representatives. This podcast is based just off of Aaron and I um, and our experience, and then we have guests on that we try to pull their experience and just talk to them about how did they get to where they are today? So uh, we have a guest today that I'm going to let Aaron introduce. Uh, thanks, Kyle. Yeah, so with us today, um, if anybody has listened to um, all of our podcasts, um, a while back we decided maybe we could expand things to the things that have helped us with our overall well-being and outside of the 12-step scope. Mm -hmm. And uh, then when we were talking with, we had Amy M. on the podcast a few weeks ago, and she was telling us about being down at the Amethyst Cave down in Australia and then missing her appointment or some travel problems that led her to be delayed and then thinking that things weren't going to be worked out and then and then ended up um, finding some, somebody else to help her out. And it was just really sort of a god shot for her. And so Amy has put us in touch with one of us or with, put us in touch with one another. So I just want to welcome uh, Alicia Vela to the podcast. Hi. Hello. Thank you for having me, Aaron and Kyle. I'm so delighted to be with you on such a cozy winter Australian Sunday morning. Yeah, and so for those of you that I guess I didn't I didn't mention that we're we're still in Shiitake and she is in Australia, and so we're we're uh, doing this remotely for the first time. This is our first remote podcast. Yep. And it's Saturday afternoon for us, Sunday morning for her. So, um, so usually how we start this podcast is um, just getting a, a rough introduction of, of what you do. And um, I know you will be able to talk about uh, meditation practice much better than Aaron and I probably will. But how did you get into that area of your life? Uh, what led you to want to grow in the meditation field and... Why don't you just give us some background on that? Beautiful, beautiful. <clears throat> I remember when I was 12 and I bought pocket, um, with my pocket money, I bought incense. And I remember going to my bedroom, uh, making the room quite um, dark, closing the blinds, lighting the incense. I lit a candle and I played a relaxing, beautiful song. And <clears throat> interestingly enough, it was one of the theme songs for Dawson's Creek. But all that aside, it was um, a calming, beautiful song. And I remember feeling calm and peaceful and entering this space within myself where it felt like everything became still and quiet, the noise of life, the family dynamics, any pressures that I felt um, as a child moving into um, teenhood seemed to become a little bit more quiet and that sense of peace I was really quite um, excited about. And I don't know exactly what prompted that practice at that time, but I found myself throughout my teen years becoming more aware and excited about 
different activities or practices that could support me in reaching that sense of stillness within myself. And so over the years, I've explored different courses, different uh, places around the world, and connecting in with a range of different people that have shared what they have practiced to support them getting into that heart space. And for some, it may be surfing, creating art. For some, it may be meditating for 12 hours a day in an ashram. And so it feels like my life has been a research project on how to connect in with our hearts and to feel that inner peace, remembering that it's within us always. And so some may describe me as a healer, a teacher, um, I'm a qualified kinesiologist. I've explored energy medicine practice. And so we're gatherings where people can have space provided for them to journey within their own hearts. Um. We so we looked. At, I was looking. I was uh, looking through your website, and uh, th- so give us the name of your website is uh, heartcenteredbeings.com.au. Is that correct? Okay, that got is. it. <laughs> and uh, there was now. I didn't, did you write everything that was on there? There was something about um, an ayahuasca trip. Was that was that from you? Is that something you've experienced? Yeah. So the reason why I ask is... That is uh, something that I've experienced. Go ahead. Oh, okay. So the reason why I asked is... Um, so I spent, oh, the better part of uh, a dozen years or so addicted to um, opiates and prescription painkillers and heroin. And um, I tried some traditional treatments for those things. And it wasn't anything wrong with those treatments. But this last time around, uh, I went down to... Uh, Mexico and I did a Ibogaine treatment and then after that we did a 5-MeO-DMT and uh, one of the benefits that I really experienced from that I didn't really gain too much insight or, or like spiritual understanding through that but what I really did gain was what Ibogaine did to my brain and the reboot and all of the parts of my brain that it worked on and it was just um, something that I think maybe people around me ha- w- would have a tendency to scoff at at the beginning, but the rewards that I've got from that make me, I, I, would, do, I would do it over in, in a heartbeat. It was a- absolutely um, crucial to the beginning of my experience this time, and I was just wondering what your experience with ayahuasca was. Thank you for sharing that with me. I feel that there are a range of different methods and practices that invite people to step into their heart center and plant medicines can be a part of that depending on the intention, the setting, the space, those facilitating the environment, um, where that person receiving the medicine is at within themselves. I feel that there are so many different elements that um, can really impact upon a person um, being able to receive what they need to from those settings. Um, I've experienced ayahuasca twice in Australia with a master shaman from Colombia that traveled from the Amazon jungle where he 
uh, brews the medicine and um, shared in ceremony um, traditionally in Australia. And he was a fourth generation um, uh, Ayahuascan medicine ceremonial ceremonialist. And my humbled apologies if I've <laughs> gone in those words um, yeah, wrong. I feel that plant medicine can support us in lifting the veil and perhaps looking upon the obstacles that we have in our lives uh, with um, greater insight and support us in integrating that within ourselves. Though I do feel quite strongly that there are a lot of... um, a lot of parts to this to support someone in ha- in having a healthy experience. Someone also to share when I sat in a Vipassana 10 day silent meditation course with a Buddhist center, um, I experienced a similar lifting of the veil, a similar um, shedding or purging of energetic obstacles that I had within myself, attachments that I still had to stories of my past. And the clarity that I experienced on day five of that 10 day silent meditation experience was similar to an ayahuasca ceremony. Um, Also when I'm in ecstatic bliss through dance as well, I can reach a similar space within my own heart. So we all can experience that space in our in our own way, it just depends on the intention. Are Are you familiar with uh, Kundalini at all? I've heard people discuss that as another way to uh, kind of get into that veil lifting experience. Yes, I am familiar with that and have experienced it through yoga, uh, through. Um, being intimate with partners and through dance and I feel that it's an invitation to step more fully into the remembering of who we are and connecting into our energetic body um, and embodying that energetic body in the physical as well. Mm -hmm. So it's such a beautiful balance with meditation to experience that connection with our energetic body, feeling that we are a soul having a human experience. Though being able to integrate that and ground that into this physical reality as well, I really feel that that's important. Um, I w- the question I have is about meditation because, um, so I have this idea in my head that meditation, um, that I'm going to go out and I'm going to practice meditating uh, and that I'm going to be good at it in about a week. And then um, what happens is I sit down, I'll sit down for a day, I'll get quiet, I'll start with some breathing, and then um, I'll sit, I don't know, maybe quietly for five minutes, say, and I, I feel like I've had a productive meditation. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I've had a productive meditation. And then the next day I'll go and I'll do the same thing and I'll sit down and I'll start breathing. And I can't, I can't, I can't keep a thought out for a, a half of, a half of a second and my mind races nonstop and I continue to, and I try and slow my breath down and my mind just races the whole time. And I do that for four or five minutes and then I give up and then I quit. And I'm like, I just don't, I don't know what the difference between yesterday and today was, but, um, like what, what would you have to share with somebody like me that's listening? That's, um, 
feels like their meditation can be unproductive from the beginning. And then other times I tell myself, well, the win is just sitting down to do it. Like that's, that's where, that's what I just need to do on a daily basis. But, um, I get frustrated because I feel like they're not, not productive or not fruitful. And so then I just want to quit. Thank you for what you've shared. That's so important. And I feel that that's part of this human experience. I feel that there's a lot of pressure upon many humans to do something right and to be able to adhere to a particular um, prescription or suggested structure of something to come about. And I feel that from when we were little, we perhaps subscribed to different programs and beliefs from our families, from school, around needing to do something right. And um, there can be frustrations around um, perhaps practicing meditation and feeling as though we're not doing it right. <laughs> yeah. And what I love about meditation is that it's coming into, <laughs> it's coming into remembering Babies, when they are born, they are holding this light, this truth, this openness, this curiosity. They are so in the moment. They are so also dependent, reliant in full trust that their support team, their parents, their family, um, all that's involved in their, their birth and them um, moving into childhood will be supporting them. So there's this sweet surrender spot with children, I, I feel, with, with, with babies. I feel that as we move into adulthood, we may have such a veil lifted. We've been, we're subscribing to different beliefs and there's a lot of perhaps stress that we have formed in our lives. The thoughts are, are constant. And so meditation for me and all that I share is just about my perception upon meditation Meditation is stepping into that space within us that already is within us. Not about suppressing thoughts or uh, being frustrated that there are thoughts present because that's part of the human experience. The, the thoughts will come and go and it's around holding presence for them, acknowledging them and then bringing our awareness back to our breath. And purely by observing those thoughts, we can see those thoughts as a gift. Perhaps the, that five minutes of meditation that you've created for yourself in the day, perhaps there are some thoughts that have been suppressed in other ways that then feel safe enough to come up to the surface. And if we belittle ourselves or beat those thoughts out, if we don't hold compassion and grace for the process, then it can create it's almost like a, a self-harm really if we aren't holding presence for ourselves with love and compassion when thoughts are present no matter what energy they're holding um we're not then being gentle with what is so allowing that thought to come in acknowledging it connecting back into breath allowing that connection with breath and then that thought will transmute in its in its own way now, Aaron and I both, um, I believe, I know for me, I was introduced to meditation through a 12-step program because I had never practiced any sort of meditation before that. And um, we might have some listeners that uh, either aren't very familiar with meditation or um, 
have never really given it a fair shake. If you were just starting, where would you encourage someone to to begin on meditation? Um, I know there's a lot of different avenues. So what would you suggest as like a, a jumping off point, a starting point for meditation practice? Beautiful question. So what I would suggest with what has been beneficial to me and what I've witnessed with others that I've um, journeyed with is throughout the day when thoughts present themselves to you, to acknowledge them, to witness them, and then bring yourself back to the current activity that you're doing, connecting in with your breath and being in the present. It's in that space of being in the present that we're able to then create a different attachment or relationship to these thoughts. And when we are in that space of being in the present, that is the form, that is the space of being, of the beingness. And then the doing that comes from that space of the beingness holds a different energy. Uh, so while someone is driving, when they're in traffic, they're feeling frustrated with the traffic, they could choose for that moment to be a meditation practice where they're observing what is, they're observing the traffic, they're observing how they're feeling about it, the reactions in the body. They're observing the reactions in the body. That's almost a meditation in itself meditation isn't necessarily sitting under a tree on a mountain and saying om for 12 hours a day and if that's someone's practice that's beautiful and i so honor that and hold deep respect for that if someone's meditation is being able to simply honor and hold presence for frustration for themselves during traffic and being able to connect in with their breath and allow all of their feelings to transmute or dissolve and through their acknowledgement of what is becomes so present that the frustration melts away and they then notice the clear patch in the sky they then notice their favorite song is on the radio they notice that the number plate in front of them has their grandmother's birth date in it for example they notice the car next to them the driver is smiling at them they get a message on their phone from a loved one reminding them about a beautiful weekend coming up for a celebration so through that presence through that acknowledgement of what is we can then through compassion and grace reach a space of greater presence and that is where the inner peace, the inner joy, those, those higher vibrations can be in greater reach as well. Um, so my suggestion would be experiencing that practice in the aisle at the shops while picking up the kids from school, while cooking dinner and being able to hold presence for what is connecting in with our breath and then slowly creating space to sit for five minutes with our breath with our eyes closed, without any other distractions, and then see what is experienced from that space. Some people experience meditation while knitting a scarf for a friend or dancing with a loved one. So it doesn't necessarily need to be five minutes on the couch with eyes closed. It's all about that presence with our own hearts and our own spirit. So in regards to being present, I'm glad that you've talked about that because this is something I had just been thinking about this week. Um, 
when I'm at work, my job can be pretty mundane. It's not, it doesn't require a lot of thought. It's a lot of repetition is what it is. And I was, um, had, had the thought that I'd like to be present in what's going on. And, um, and then what would happen is I would get present and um, then my mind would slip away. And I just decided that because what I was doing was terribly mundane. <laughs> and I thought, you know, if I was um, on, a, on a rock wall without a rope and um, made, you know, one mistake that I would certainly be present to what was going on because everything was on the line. And so then I started this debate in my mind was that, was that I just needed to figure out how to be present in the mundane, or did I just need to have a less mundane life and figure and get out there and, and live a life <laughs> that was just more entertaining and more enthralling? And so, like, how, how do I practice being present in all that I do when what I do is just not... Um, engaging. Yeah, it's not engaging. It's not exactly filling my soul. <laughs> Great question. Great question. I experienced a chapter in my life where I was putting in data entry into a spreadsheet um, for up to maybe 14 hours a day uh, on a remote island west of Australia um, for 21 days straight for a construction company. Wow. <laughs> and so I can relate to... Um, your experience and I found that it was a beautiful practice for me to be so present with what was if I was feeling frustrated I would so feel that with every key that I would put in I was feeling ecstatic and connected to my heart I would really see that the way I entered the data was a lot more gentler and calmer and I saw that that space in something that was considered mundane, giving me the openness to connect into my heart and who I am um, outside of what was mundane. Sometimes I experience the most beautiful epiphanies um, while washing the dishes, um, ironing some clothes, um, perhaps being on the same driving route to a, a particular destination. And I feel that there are gifts in something that's perceived to be mundane because if our mind isn't being stimulated and we're not being distracted in some way, then we can be present with what is. It's less noisy and it's all perception as well. Some people have these meditative states when they are on edge, they are rock climbing without a, a rope or they're about to skydive. They're so present with what is. But something as simple as what could be perceived as a mundane task can also be a meditation. It's all how we perceive it to be. So our our uh, our program that Aaron and I follow uh, outlines like a morning practice, um, a practice throughout the day, and then like an evening routine as well. Um, if you would be so kind, would you share maybe what your daily regimen of meditation and practice looks like? And then I'm assuming it's better than Aaron and I. So could you <laughs> could you share maybe how you um, like how you built up that practice? Did you set goals? Did it just happen naturally? Kind of what happened to um, 
from your starting point to to where you are today with your practice? Great question. Ah, thank you for your trust and your curiosity. It's um, it's humbling and is supporting me and also reflecting on where I'm currently at on the journey too. So I feel that over my life, it's been a research project on uh, how humans connect in with their own hearts and each other, as well as connecting to the land. So I will dive deep with a practice similar to Vipassana meditation um, with the beautiful Buddhist community or out in an ashram in India and experience um, meditation practice uh, with more of a uh, Hindu background and being with um, beautiful elders and um, communities of the first people descent in Australia, um, Indigenous Australians. And I see um, a similar thread with many different practices and it's about creating that connection with our spirit with our hearts and reflecting on what is not attaching to thought i see that thread over lots of different practices and so where i'm currently at is weaving whatever practices is in alignment and resonates with me in that moment so for example uh yesterday I felt some stagnant energy in the body. Sitting down to meditate wasn't conducive to me being able to be present with my own heart. Be able to create a shift in that stagnant energy to then be able to reach a space of stillness within myself. So that beautiful contrast of the movement in the body creating that stillness within my own heart. And then I was able to do some yoga yin stretches, which may seem um, quite com com complicated, but it was literally me laying down, being supported with pillows, just stretching out my legs and connecting in with breath. To then get to the point where I could be seated, take a few breaths, being present with myself, and then being in the flow of my day. I have led a life in the past that had a lot of structure. Um, I was working in a lot of corporate roles and yes, they were linked to wellness for most of them, but it still had this corporate structure. Um, I feel that my practices today need to have a lot of flow, spontaneity, gentleness, uh, creativity and less structure for me to be able to really honour what my needs are at that time. Because I, I love daily routines. I love morning and nighttime rituals. So perhaps that will just be an allocated time of 20 minutes, half an hour for whatever I'm feeling in that morning. Perhaps it's a, a con unconscious stream of writing for five minutes where I just write in my diary, my journal, and not allow the mind to control what I'm writing. And that is a meditation in itself. I may feel to garden and weed and through that practice it's almost like I'm weeding my thoughts and I go deep within my own heart and connecting to the land as well being out in nature is huge for me this is part of my practice that I do every day I live on a beautiful permaculture gardening space so I have a little tree house in the forest and each morning one of the first um practice 
practices of the day is going out barefoot on the ground. And I know that not everyone has the opportunity to be barefoot on the ground, but even visualizing nature and every breath we breathe in has been birthed from a tree. Every breath we breathe out returns to the tree in some way to be transformed into another breath for ourselves or or for another, for, for the planet. So that alone is a meditation in itself. Every moment of the day has an opportunity for us to be present with our hearts. We won't be there constantly, 24, 24 hours a day, because we've chosen to be in this human body for a reason. And part of this human life is to have the ebbs and flows of um, what it means to be human. And that's part of the learnings and the lessons and the gifts when we feel to bring ourselves back to breath, bring ourselves to what is um, feeling into the beauty of gratitude as well, then every opportunity of the day could be a, a meditation practice. So um, I know Kyle and I have had conversations like part of the part of what ailed us as addicts and alcoholics is uh, feeling disconnected. Um, and so for me specifically, what opiates did is, um, that was my connection to the world. I went through life feeling better than or less than all the time. And when I was, um, when I had opiates, that's how I felt connected. And so I, I sort of substituted, uh, I sort of substituted a power, uh, uh, opiates for a power, you know, and then that, that's, that's how I, that's how I got through the day. Those were the solution to living for me. Life seemed incomplete and so when I put those opiates inside of me then I was okay and then I could go out and face the world and you talked about um, you know at 12 lighting incense and you know finding that connection and finding that center what I'm wondering for you personally is that's just something that came intuitively to you that you just there was something out there that you could connect to and, and that connection was the thing that you needed to go through life or did you find that through um, being disconnected and personal struggle? Like what, what drove you to have that connection that you have now that you seek out on a daily basis or that you just, that, that you get into? Great question. And thank you for all that you've shared. And um, yeah, for, for this question, yeah, powerful. So I feel that there's a lot of gifts that can birth from contrast points when we are in that space of suffering and darkness and we're deep in a hole. What can be birthed from that space can be truly transformative. That can be a space where we can really feel into our own inner strength and and light and that can help us um, dig out of the hole. So throughout my life, I've experienced such deep um, struggles around um, eating disorders, uh, addiction to food, um, also punishment with with food as well, using uh, food as a self-harm tool instead of a soul-nourishing tool. Um, I would be addicted to, um, to, to sex. I'd be addicted to approval from others. I'd be addicted to um, working 
um, overtime and in this overdrive space um, in the corporate world that I was a part of, I feel that humans can have lots of addictive behaviours and that can stem from, as you've shared, a space of um, disconnection. We feel this void within ourselves and we're needing to feel, we're needing to connect in with our soul and our spirit and the human life can have its challenges. Um, I experienced sexual encounters that were not very healthy as a 10-year-old and that was a time that really supported me through the healing process in being able to feel my spirit, feel into forgiveness and compassion and love for myself, being able to hold presence for myself through that time. And I feel that the meditation practices, the other beautiful practices that I explored at that time as well um, in my early teens of, of yoga, of seeking support through a kinesiologist and art making as well to connect me into my spirit, into my heart, dancing as well. And being out on water on, on boats as well was almost a meditation practice. And what called me to be a kinesiologist and to research and take part in training to then hold presence for others is, I guess, part of that wounded healer background. When we feel like we have moved through suffering, we have birthed out the other side like a phoenix rising from the ashes, we can then feel inspiration to be able to shine a light for others. And perhaps not us physically shining a light for others, but showing others that they have a light within themselves that they can activate, they can turn on for themselves to get them out of those dark holes. Um, <clears throat> one thing Aaron and I generally discuss with all of our guests, and Aaron and I talk quite a bit on when it's just him and I on the podcast about uh, literature that we read. Um, that's, you know, been beneficial to him and I. Is there some literature that you read regularly or daily or um, anything that's been profound in your life that's helped you along your path? Yes, yes, beautiful. So I love how books can come into our lives to offer us something that could be a solution or to shed light upon um, what we may be going through. And I love Esther Hicks, uh, the law of attraction um, sharings around uh, being aware of our vibration and thought patterns and knowing that we are creating our life from um, what we're believing in or what we're subscribing to within ourselves. And also The Power of Now and A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. They've been profound um, books for me. I feel that I love connecting into my creativity. So for me to explore books like Harry Potter, The Wizard of Oz, Alice in Wonderland, those stories hold that element of um, the hero's journey, similar to what Joseph Campbell shares about in his books and um, his film. That hero 
or heroine's journey of, of the female, looking into stories that highlight a perceived human struggle, uh, something that is an obstacle that we can overcome for the lessons that we feel to to learn in this life and to be able to connect into our inner light, to have the strength to reach out to those in the community and ask for support if we're moving through something. And I love that with Alice in Wonderland and, and The Wizard of Oz, especially when the leading roles are female um, because I'm female and I can um, relate to, to their experience. And I love how Dorothy asked for support from the scarecrow and she's finding her way home and she's comfortable in sharing what her needs are being able to step into strength when the witch presents itself and ah it's such a beautiful metaphor for what life can be about so i love those those children's story classics as well as some really profound um spiritual texts um such as the power of now by eckhart tolle the thing that you had mentioned, talked about earlier was um, nutrition and having um, an addiction to food and having some eating issues. And for me, one thing that I did not um, give enough, I guess, attention to, I, I had been sober for a few years prior and uh, didn't, and was still eating poorly. Um, I was, I don't know, 30 pounds overweight and, and eating food that wasn't beneficial for me. And so this time around, one of the things that's um, been part of the transformation I've had is eating differently. And for me, that's a ketogenic diet. I just find that my body runs better on a low carbohydrate, uh, high fat diet. And um, it's just been a game changer for me. I can't imagine to going back to eating a, a traditional Western diet. But for you, I was wondering um, what, what that nutrition looks like in your life, what kind of a role that plays in your overall well-being, being somebody that has struggled with food in the past. Oh, yes. And I feel like this is the first time in my life over the past year that I am um, being more present with food and not using it as a reward and and punishment I needed to give myself a lot of space um, recently to be able to sit with what foods are serving me and rebuild the relationship with food so I see food also because I have a personal training background as well I see food as being the building blocks for our physical structure they are the fuel for rebirthing ourselves and I also see food as being a vibrational frequency that is energetically also um, impacting upon our energetic field. So food is medicine as we've heard um, many times before. I have lots of different um, nutritious practices depending on where I'm at. Sometimes I experience veganism or vegetarianism. Um, I've experienced fasting, raw food diets, lots of different ways uh, or practices to support what my current needs were. Um, if I'm moving through some stagnant energy in the body and I'm feeling that um, in the physical 
eating light, eating nourishing soups, sometimes even having a water fast can support in the shifts. Um, yeah, really listening to the body. And that's another practice someone could, some people may describe as a mindfulness practice, being present with how we're nourishing ourselves and seeing that as almost a spiritual practice, how we eat, how we prepare the food, that all is part of um, what could be a meditation also. And if food and water can hold a vibration and our vibration can also impact upon food and water and almost reprogram it with our vibrations, our frequencies, um, and then we're consuming that, that's really powerful. When looking at Dr. Emoto Missouri's experiments, a... Um, a man from Japan, um, he was conducting experiments exposing water to particular frequencies through word uh, or music. So water that he would label with the word thank you um, or exposed to calming music, the molecular structure of that water when frozen and put under a microscope showed symmetry clarity, almost like snowflakes, where other water exposed to words written on it like hate or had um, music that was distorted um, and perhaps the, the lyrics had ill intent, those molecules of water under the microscope were distorted. They were murky. There, there weren't clarity there. And we can see these experiences experiments being conducted with plants as well so what we're eating really impacts uh and what we're drinking that holds a particular vibration and that becomes the fuel of the building blocks of us physically and scientific evidence showing how our physical spirit emotional, mental bodies are linked in together. So what we're consuming, it can really impact upon our thought processes and and our our energy. I think the we're we're getting close on time here, but I did want to ask just another question. Um, you talked about you've talked about dance, you've talked about the meditations that you've done in the places that you've traveled. I was just wondering if you could just share with us a couple more of the things that you've um, experienced or sought out or done in search of that connection and that growth that maybe that you haven't talked about yet. Sure, yes. I'd love to share around that. I, I remember um, being 23 and walking the Camino Trail from south of France to the west of Spain and as a 23 year old young woman from Australia walking solo for 33 days across 786 kilometers um, um, the first time uh, backpacking um, in my family that was a truly profound moment in my life and that was a beautiful meditation practice in itself and I wasn't aware of this walk being a meditation until probably day 10 when I noticed uh, a lot of shifts coming about in my body, um, in my mental and emotional spaces of well-being. I felt a greater connection to land, to nature within my own heart. And I was really able to hold presence for um, 
any stories that I wanted to um, not subscribe to as strongly um, experiences of my past and other beliefs that I've held as my truth over the years. Um, I feel that nature has been a temple for me always um, being out in the Sahara desert in Egypt on a quad bike, listening to the prodigy on, <laughs> on my little iPod. And I remember that almost feeling like a meditation because there was this sense of being so present. It was me, the sunset and the dunes. And I felt this sense of expansiveness. Um, and I'm not suggesting that the prodigy is the best meditation soundtrack, <laughs> yeah. but it certainly supported me being in the, in the moment. Nature's huge for me and I'm experiencing nature every day. We all are in some way and that offers me a lot of peace and grounding as well. And grounding meditation practices and techniques is what I weave into a lot of the online courses that I share, a lot of the retreats and gatherings because nature is present with us always and perhaps when we feel lost disconnected um, we feel this sense of confusion just by connecting in with breath is a way to connect in with nature and just by looking at a blade of grass or looking up at a star can really support us in being present with what is feeling that sense of trust feeling that sense of support and being held when we feel perhaps we can't hold ourselves or others in that moment and people may have a similar connection with God, the universe, uh, with deities that they relate to. Um, for me, it's it's feeling all of the beauty and wonder of God in nature and reminding myself that I am part of nature. And so feeling part of that collective and that oneness offers a lot of uh, comfort and nourishment for my soul. I, w I was just going to ask, so um, on your website, is that where people would be able to sign up for like an online course or, um, you know, to, to, to get in touch with what you're doing? Is that is that the go-to point of reference would be your website that Aaron referenced earlier? Yes, yes, there's the tab called Gatherings and I share information about retreats um, being held around the world wherever people are feeling to get in touch with me and we can co-create some really um, heart-centered experiences together and also some online courses. So on August the 5th, I'll be sharing a four-week grounding meditation experience by donation and there'll be a Facebook closed group where I'll share resources and also videos and weekly uh, video calls as well. So that's quite a supportive and nourishing space, connecting people to their hearts and that space of stillness. Oh, uh, thank you. Can you give us that website uh, one more time before yeah. we... Sure. It's... Um, heartcenteredbeings.com.au and being Australian, centered is spelt C-E-N-T-R-E-D, not E-R-D. 
so heartcenteredbeings.com.au and I'm active on Facebook as well, Heart Centered Beings, if you felt to connect in with me there. And I welcome any messages with any questions and if I can support you with your journey, it um, would be an absolute honor. Thank you so much for participating and being on the podcast with Aaron and I. Uh, it was it was really beneficial for me, very insightful. So thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you to you both and all that you're sharing with the world. This is a really important podcast to shine light um, shine light upon the world. So thank you. Awesome. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks a bunch. <laughs>